Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. Increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement. So join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in VC. Our guest today is Miki Reynolds. Miki is the co-founder and CEO of LA-based Grid 110. Grid 110 provides entrepreneurs with access to community, mentors, and critical resources through no-cost, no-equity programs. She also on the side is a venture partner with Republic and has been a scout for funds like Indie.VC and Bonfire Ventures. Prior to VC, Miki worked as a city manager at General Assembly and in operations at Mashon. She started her career in media at MGM and 20th Century Studios and holds a bachelor's in sociology from UCLA. Thank you so much for joining us today, Miki. It's a real pleasure to have you. Likewise, thank you for having me. Awesome. So I'll go right in. You have a very interesting career path. Um you started in media like I said with MGM and and 20th Century, then went on to work in digital ops for Mashon, pivoted to education with General Assembly, then VC. Walk us through some of those decisions, especially those major pivots. Sure. Yeah. I think looking back on my own personal career, um something that I've come to realize is that I think career paths are rarely linear. Um I think we often uh, I have a friend who has this concept, you've heard of the career ladder where you're kind of taking these progressive steps forward. Um she refers to it as a career lattice. And so you've got kind of like, you know, this crisscross crisscross shaping um where your steps could be forward, diagonal, backwards, um circular like you never know where it's going to lead you um but i think in looking back really for me everything that i've done has led me to where i am today and so it kind of makes sense to me um so going back to when i was in college i went to ucla studied sociology um being in los angeles i think that the kind of predominant industry here is entertainment um and i'd always had an obsession with the internet growing up and so i knew i wanted to do something in like the digital world um and so for me that looked like probably something maybe in entertainment or marketing but with a, like a, a digital component to it um so the interest in joining the movie studios um where that was there was an opportunity to join the digital teams there um and learn kind of firsthand um the operations and inner workings of digital marketing for major movie studios um and so i started as an assistant um to the chief information officer so i learned everything about the nerdy side of it and the background uh the things that you don't know that happen um and in the inner workings of a movie studio and then quickly moved over to managing digital projects there so that was anything from email marketing launching micro sites for some of the films that were coming out um anything kind of that the digital team needed. Um I then moved over to Fox and I was at a very similar role in actually a startup division there. Uh so it was a um a division that was focused on young adult and um so it was high school and college kind of films 
Um, and they really were focused on the digital component of it because um, this was probably mid 2000s. Um, and so they recognized that this generation um, becoming very digitally native um, and the way to reach them was not through your traditional methods of marketing, but you had to do something that was interactive and engaging. Um, and so in working there, I kind of got my hands um, dirty in not just project management, um, but actually building products. And so we were kind of had an internal like development studio to what we were doing to building interactive components to our website. And I got really interested and got the bug in building things. Um, so working with developers and designers and really concepting out things that ultimately didn't exist and you know, kind of breathing life into them. Um, so after I was, I left the movie studios because I was there for a couple of years, quickly realized I didn't like working in entertainment and I didn't really want to work in large corporate environments. I wanted to work on smaller teams where I felt like I could have more, uh, of an influence in what I was doing and make more impact. Um, so I left with my boss and we went to a smaller uh, software company called Mashon. I was there for six years, really helped to kind of build the team from the ground up. Um, and learned everything that there was about software development. Um, so I learned product management kind of on the fly, um, was again, working more closely with our developers and designers and on our, our client deliveries. Um, and then kind of came to a crossroads in my career when that company shut down. So I had spent kind of the past previous 10 years really um, working for companies, um, climbing this like startup tech corporate ladder uh, and ultimately finding myself somewhat unfulfilled with what I was doing. I wasn't really excited about the work. I learned a ton, um, but I was looking for maybe a little bit more fulfillment in my life. I was incredibly burnt out. And so trying to figure out you know, what was next for me. Um, so two career paths really like emerged out of that, um, that time of just reflection, trying to figure out what the next steps were going to be. Um, I lived in downtown LA. So I live in Los Angeles. Um, I was living in downtown LA at the time, which I still do. Uh, and I was looking for an opportunity that was closer to home for me. Um, and for those that are familiar with the kind of tech ecosystem of Los Angeles, most of the community um, kind of resides around the West side. So the Santa Monica, Venice, Playa Vista area. Um, but for those of us that live 16 miles to the East, you know, it could take anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours to get there. And I think Los Angeles, just the sheer size and geography has really given rise to these different pocket communities that have risen up to support innovation happening in their own backyard. So I was looking for something that was much more closer to home. I was looking to tap into community um, to figure out like what my next opportunity was going to be and was really struggling um, to find that sense of community in this area. Um, and so uh, the two things that emerged out of that for me were really essentially building the things that I wish existed at that time for myself. So that led me to General Assembly, um, and I helped them launch their downtown LA campus. Um, so it's our second location here in Los Angeles. Uh, and it was really the opportunity to one, build the community I wish existed for myself. Um, and then one that really reflected me uh, as I was helping to bridge the gap for more women and people of color to either break into tech or level up in tech. Um, and then the second thing that happened in tandem to that was Grid 110. So again, the opportunity to build the sense of community that we wish existed for entrepreneurs, um, particularly in the downtown and kind of uh, east side area of LA. Um, and it one that also just better reflected uh, our ourselves and our lived experiences. So that's kind of the how I got to you know where I am now and you know where I started. It's really interesting um, because 
I feel like your career can be split in, in different ways. Sometimes you're joiners and you join large corporations or other teams. Sometimes when you feel there's a gap and you can fill it, you just create. Um, so which is what you did with General Assembly and Grid 110. Um, and I'm really curious about Grid 110. Um, so you talked about a little bit about how the idea for it came about. Can you elaborate on the mission and share how the organization is basically contributing to the startup ecosystem in LA? Yeah. So we started Grid 110 really with the focus of building the most thriving, inviting, and inclusive ecosystem for entrepreneurs. Um, we started it seven years ago. It was very much a grassroots community-led initiative. There were seven of us on the co-founding team that really felt strongly and passionately about downtown LA being kind of the next hub for startups, um, not feeling like there was a sense of community, that there wasn't really any connective tissue. Um, you know, I think it, you're coming from, I believe, Harvard, right? And so um, understanding that when you're on a, a campus ecosystem where technology and innovation is happening all the time, you have access to those types of resources. But maybe if you're outside of the Boston area um, or if you're somewhere else, um, you don't have as many as equal access to those types of things. You have to travel a little bit further. You have to do some digging and research and trying to uncover what the opportunities are. And so I think for us, it was, you know, we see that this um, tech ecosystem is building and bubbling in Los Angeles. Um, but one, it's pretty homogenous um, in terms of mostly led by white men. Um, and that comes from the tech companies, that comes from the VC side of it. And we wanted to build a community that we just felt like better reflected the 73% of Angelinos that identify as a person of color, um, something that felt more inclusive and more representative of our lived experiences. Uh, and so we uh, kicked off our first program in 2015 and since have run uh, 23 programs, I think. I've worked with 250 companies over the past seven years, 70% led by women, 74% led by founders of color, um, which we feel like just better reflects the startup ecosystem that we would like to see. Um, and we run no costs, no equity programs. So they're completely free, um, primarily in partnership with the city of Los Angeles, as well as some other incredible partners that are also very well mission aligned and wanting to support just a more diverse and equitable ecosystem. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on, you know, that 23 programs, that's, that's impressive and, and making this happen. Um, and finding the partnerships to make it happen too, um, which I'm sure must have been really tough at the beginning. Um, in those 23 programs in seven years, I'm really curious if there are any trends or themes in the startup space that you're really excited about. Yes. So we've worked with a, a bunch of different types of companies um, across various different industries. And I think that's one of the things that really makes us different and unique and stand out um, is that we don't want to solely focus on venture scale businesses. So our companies are coming to us, whether they're building a tech or tech enabled product, whether they're thinking about pursuing venture or not, um, maybe they're building more of a sustainable growth, like a slower growth business, um, or maybe they have more of a traditional brick and mortar small business that is really um, dedicated to supporting the community. So we wanted our community to be really reflective of the different types of entrepreneurs that, that are out there um, and knowing that all of them need help and support and access to capital and can build really meaningful and impactful businesses, even if they aren't going to be the next unicorn. Um, so I think we've seen a lot when it comes to the e-commerce space, I think in particular here in Los Angeles, um, e-commerce and CPG are really huge. Um, I think something that I've gotten really interested in as anything related to women's health. Um, I think just growing up and recognizing how 
uneducated we really are about the needs for women um, and that that we actually need unique products and services um, that help us in all the different areas that, you know, from birth till death. I think in particular, um, I've been kind of experiencing issues with like hormonal imbalances. So wanting to better underst- understand that and getting really excited when I see companies that are trying to solve this problem that I personally am experiencing. Um, I think another aspect of the startup space that I'm really excited about is alternate forms of capital. So things that are kind of alternate to venture. So whether that is the emergence of equity crowd investing platforms um, like Republic, uh, whether it's different types of fund models um, that maybe are a little bit more founder favorable and aren't necessarily expecting this kind of 10x growth, but something that is a little bit more sustainable, um, like the Calm Fund, um, who invests in Calm companies. Uh, And I think uh, really just reimagining archaic industries or the mundane, like I've seen with CPG, I think, you know, people are really reinventing just the general grocery store aisle. And so whether that's the new trends that I've seen around like tinned fish um, or different types of water, um, I think it's really interesting just how creative entrepreneurs are um, and how that they can find a space for so many different ideas. That's that's really interesting. And and it's true, especially when you were talking about um, women's health. There are a lot of issues or information that you don't really take a look at until you get a problem. And a lot of it should be preventative, but because there is not a lot of, you know, um, companies out there now more than ever, but um, it's always exciting to see these ed tech, especially health tech um, startups that are creating content and basically educating people and communities on health issues being created. Um, that's amazing. It, it sounds like there's a lot of diversity in the types of companies that you're working on. And that's that's really cool. Speaking of diversity, a different one, and you mentioned that a little bit earlier, um, since working in an investor role, um, have you seen or experienced challenges with gender dynamics in, in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it doesn't just stop at gender. I think it's also racial as well. I mean, I think that this country is rooted in a whole bunch of his systemic issues that we are still dealing with today um, that are rooted in hundreds of years um, of ex- lived experiences that people have. Um, and, and so I think that in working with historically overlooked founders, um, whether they're Black, Latinx, um, immigrant, um, LGBTQ women, um, I think all of them are sharing very similar experiences in terms of just not having the appropriate type of access, um, not being in kind of these inner circles, not being in these in these networks. I think a lot of it stems from, you know, who the decision makers are. And with majority men being the investment decision makers, um, being general partners at funds, um, with very few women having kind of that, that assets under management themselves to make these decisions. I think about it when it comes to the LP side of the limited partners who are actually investing in these funds. um, And do they actually care about seeing a more diverse and reflective um, investment community um, from the funder side as well as the founder side? I think that I've talked to a number of different founders who it's it's so hard for them just to get you know a response to a cold email um, because they don't have the network to get the warm intro. 
And if they just had that opportunity to do it, then that, you know, they'd be off to the races, but because they don't have the access, um, it's something that we've just seen time and time again, it makes it so much harder. I think also the other thing is that they're just judged on such higher standards, um, of where they have to be in terms of traction, um, in terms of where their product needs to be. Um, I think that there is just a different set of standards sometimes. Um, but what we try to focus on is finding the allies. Um, and we see ourselves as allies to all of these communities that want to bridge this gap when it comes to access um, and also just equipping them with the right tools on how to navigate this. I think there are investors and investment decision makers out there who care very deeply about kind of rectifying this um, and you know making strides in this space. And so I'm excited to see more of those. I've been really excited to see more founders are more funders that have funds that are specifically investing in women and or people of color or specifically, you know, black founders in healthcare. So I think that the more uh, opportunities that there are um, to allocate these types of funds to the founders that are innovative and, and you know, industry changing, um, I get really excited about what the future could look like. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic, um, just based on the conversations I've had with people on this call. And they always mention this community of um, people who are much more aware, but also very active in either, you know, launching those specific funds or just making sure that, you know, LPs are a little, being a little bit more aware and accountable for where they're putting the money, basically. Awesome. Miki, just to wrap up this conversation, curious, what advice would you give to aspiring female investors hoping not only to break into traditional VC roles, but contribute to the larger um, startup ecosystem in their communities like you've done? Yeah, I think the first step is really to just to take the initiative to learn. There's so much information that's out there. Um, so uh, if you like to read uh, Brad Feld, has a book called Venture Deals that really breaks down just the understanding and the mechanics of venture capital, how it works, um, how they make their money, um, kind of how they go about assessing companies. Um, if you like listening to podcasts, um, The Pitch is a really great podcast, um, just kind of dissecting different companies and their pitches and how investors go about thinking about like the decision-making process around it and maybe you know what uh, is appealing to them or what their concerns are. Um, uh, if you're looking to kind of like learn more interactively, I think there are more and more different fellowships and associate programs out there. I know Republic has one um, and there are a number of other ones that just researching and applying for them. Um, and then there are a ton of different um pieces of content, whether it's Medium or Twitter threads um, around people who have broken into venture. And you get to really understand kind of where they were coming from, what their motivations were, how did they do it, what helped them the most. Um, and then specifically for underrepresented communities, um, HBCU VC um, and Black VC have incredible programs for underserved uh, communities that are interested in tangibly learning, how can I get into this space? Um, what are the opportunities to learn? Um, and to connect them with the resources that will create pathways for them. Um, I think it's also really important just to learn about the different roles that are within venture. Like you don't just have to be an investor. Um, there are a number of different roles that you can play at a, a company. So maybe you're more interested in working hand in hand with the company. So maybe the platform side would be of more interest to you. Um, maybe you have a marketing background. Um, and so there's an opportunity to help on the marketing side. Um, so I think it's kind of understanding that venture isn't just, you know, distilling down to, you know, the investment role, but there are a number of different roles that you can play. 
Um, I think finding a community is really important. I mean, we're all about community. Community was really important to me. Um, and so whether you're, if you're still in school or in grad school, I think there's a ton of, you know, campus organizations that have popped up to really support people um, breaking into this space. Um, specifically for women, All Raise is an incredible organization um, that is trying to help get more women funders and founders supported. They have some local chapters um, as well as providing some virtual support and resources. Um, and then if you're just interested in kind of the general startup ecosystem and how to get involved wherever you might be, um, my biggest takeaway has been, you know, finding events, um, attending them, and, you know, as an introvert myself, where the whole networking concept is really not that appealing to me, um, I've actually volunteered for events. And so I reached out to the event organizer, you know, how can I help you? I've worked check-in at so many events, both my own and others, and it's been the number one way to, you know, be able to meet with um, and chat with every single person in the room um, to get to know people, to kind of get their stories in like a quick 30 to 60 seconds. And I think that has been tremendously helpful just in growing my own network. That has been some really useful advice. Thank you so much for not just giving us these resources to, to our listeners, but also breaking it down into, you know, this resources come in all shapes and form um, and they're very much available. Sometimes it's just, you just need a little bit of push to know where to look. Thank you so much, Miki, for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me.